welcome to Estradile Illusions. We are continuing our Slime Dance coverage, and we are continuing our Slime Dance coverage with a uh, a, a film, a, a collection of, of shorts and episodic series that uh, really just... I, I, I sat and I was watching it, and it, it made me kind of sort of think about all the reasons that people love slam dance it's uh such a unique uh series and it's it's so much fun and it's made with such obvious love that uh you know it, it really shines as uh as sort of the power of film to to have people see new worlds through new perspectives and i'm so excited we have the filmmaker here to talk with us about it uh matteo uh bernardini do you matteo do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself Oh, thank you so much. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. And yes, I'm an Italian filmmaker and I've been working extensively as an assistant director first, both on film and opera productions with some great directors like the operatic genius Robert Carson, but I've also worked on productions by Peter Greenaway, uh, Christopher Nolan, Matthew Vaughn, and uh, many others on film. And uh, I'm also, I have also been working as a director for the past um, 12, 13 years. Yes, both on music videos, short films, documentaries, now series, and developing a few features. Yeah, <laughs> so that's me. So the the little broomstick rider is it, it's such a it's it's such a hard film to describe and uh, <laughs> it's such a it's it's such a, a adorable and funny and sweet series about a uh, young boy who is in 16th century uh, Bavaria and he's uh, in trouble he's being accused of uh, witchcraft is that basically the the gist of it I always struggle with uh, these kind of films to, to describe what exactly is going on and it's it's such a fun film too because there's so much uh, so much to look at and the creative process that you went into oh thank you so much so the the kind of unique thing about this film is that it's uh you 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 made it with uh all sorts of I, i've been describing it like it's kind of like stop motion but it's not really like in terms of the characters you made <laughs> they kind of like behave in that way but it really is like uh you 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 did this all in your home and it, it is a quarantine production through and oh, through. definitely yeah <laughs> it is it is the product of quarantine a hundred percent and uh i found myself stuck inside my house like most of us since uh, late february early march as you all know it all started in italy i mean in the western world it all started in italy so i was at home at that time and i really wanted to be creative and i was already developing new projects of mine that were quite um classic in and by classic i mean they were a classic live action projects with um with um crews and cast in flesh and bones and i soon discovered that if i really wanted to do something i should better start you know drawing my own cast and using my hands as my crew and my father's hands also as um as very precious helping hands at some point. Uh, but yeah, uh, and so that's how it all started. And you, you're right, it looks like stop motion, but it's more like a puppetry in a way, because I ended up moving my characters around, which I, uh, which I drew and cut out all by myself. It's been, I have to say, a very, very long process because I ended up working almost three months on the entire series. 
But yeah, at the same time, I keep saying this, but it's very true. I'm a director and I'm an illustrator, but I'm not an animator. And somehow, with the exception of a commercial that I did a few years ago, I sort of, for some reason, unknown to myself, I kept my two activities uh, separate. The activity of the director and that of illustrator. And while I was in quarantine, I thought if I really want to do something, I have to do it with the skills that I have at my disposal right now, which is basically me, something that's coming out of myself, and that's it. And uh, so I ended up uh, creating this this world, which is based on a on a 19th century short story, German short story to be precise, by an author called Ludwig Bechstein. And from that story, I developed my own series, which in some aspects is very faithful to the original source material, but at the same time, uh, it also departs from it at several stages, especially also the ending. Um, the ending is uh, definitely an invention of mine. The ending was lovely, but I thought that my series, considering the way I developed it, deserved something different. And, and there I went. It's it's so fascinating to hear you talk about that process because I like I as I was as I was watching it I had like this big smile on my face because it really <laughs> look it did look like you have this professional filmmaker who's got who's doing a, a, a do it yourself project and it, like it's it's like you you, you know you you as you said you're working with your disposal but I mean you know how to you know how films are made you know how to frame shots and you're just watching like this and and the the camera work and I'm I'm sitting there and like you know the, the 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 puppetry with the characters I, that's probably a better comparison than, than stop motion it's especially when you're like thinking about how they're um one of like the great things about puppetry is you know if you're a cinematographer you have to frame the shot all around the idea that the the character really needs to be at the bottom like you can't show the string and stuff no exactly no that, that that's very true and what you just said sorry for interrupting you but what you just said is very interesting because at some point i think i will post on social media the picture of my set which was very i mean if you look at it the way it is it would look quite humble and humbling <laughs> because it is it is very simple very spare in a way and it was just simply pieces of cut out drawn paper that were stitched up to vertical stuff that i had found at home uh, sometimes i didn't even bother finding a proper structure because i really wanted to shoot and get things done so truly what you just said the creation of the frame is what eventually created the magic and created this illusion of this illustrated world that I ended up creating because otherwise if you look what was all around uh, it was I wouldn't say misery but something very very simple and again humble and humbling at the same time because I was simply on my desk losing sorry using desk lamps as uh, a source of lighting and everything was was very simple very poor intentionally so because i decided well let's go uh, in a way guerrilla and let's do it entirely from home and exclusively with, with what i have from home and that's how it came into being and also 
sometimes I deliberately kept some imperfections within uh, the um, selected uh, edited material because I really wanted to give this uh, handcrafted, homemade vibe to the entire series, which is what it was. Yeah, the series, the the phrase I was kind of like... um, the world that you created, it looks lived in. It looks like somebody almost like when you weren't shooting, you were still kind of playing with the characters and making, uh, making, making new films on top of that, like the cutting, uh, which gave me uh, anxiety as a as a left handed person. Remember, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but also very, very <laughs> thankful. I'm also very very thankful because that's a great compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> I never really learned how to properly cut. And then, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just, I loved, you know, you, you, you're pulling from all sorts of different, you're an Italian filmmaker. You're making a, 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 a series that's essentially set in, uh, Bavaria is a, it, it, modern Bavaria now is a city state in Germany, but I'm not sure if it was a country back then. I, I think it probably was. Um, and yet, and you, for dialogue, you have these, um, sort of, cut out so i'm not 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 sure the 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 best word uh you probably know the <laughs> word better than me but uh and they're, they're in english and you've got this uh these sort of all these varying strands of very different cultures and yet you put them together to make a very uh you know uni- universal story of of class struggle and oppression and you you frame it from the perspective of like a a, a, a young boy i think he's like nine linhard yeah he's he, nine. yeah yeah <laughs> Very, very, very impressive to, to bring all of that together to make something that it, I, I really would, would translate across all audiences. I found it very funny, and the characters don't actually, there's no actual dialogue. You just, you read it, and there's classical music playing. As a, as a filmmaker, you're, you're really throwing, you're kind of giving the audience whiplash, in a sense, with all the stuff you're throwing <laughs> out there, and yet it, it works so well. It, it kind of all comes together in a way that, um, you know, spread across the six episodes, they total a little over half hour, I like I, I I feel like I feel like I really got to know the world you you made there. Oh my god, thank you so much because actually all of you all of what you just said was exactly my intention, my best intention. So thank you so much for putting it out so so beautifully. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. And uh when it comes to the music, I mean music is very important to me. I have a degree in musicology and uh um I think that as I mean, at least for me as a director, it's very it's very important to work with music, and lots of times I use it uh, whenever I'm developing a new uh, work of mine. I use it to uh, truly develop uh, specific ideas and specific sequences in my mind, and music really helps me not just finding the sequence out, but also. It, it really helps me defining it inside my head and then I can storyboard it and describe it um, describe it uh, pretty pretty much in detail. Uh, but besides that, music is very important to me as in terms of choosing the right piece for the right work and why I'm choosing it. And I keep saying that this is very important to me because music, whenever you choose a track, it should follow two essential requirements. One is the emotional one, which is, of course, uh, a track that, in a way, uh, suggests some specific 
feelings into the audience uh, and it's very fitting for these reasons within uh, the narrative context that you're going to put it into but at the same time uh, that very track also needs to have an intellectual reason for being there you understand what i mean so it really has to do with i think uh the the pieces on history, performative history, uh, compositional slash creative history. And because of all these reasons, because of what the piece represents and also has represented some, if it's classical music, especially throughout, throughout its performative history, then using it. And that's what I'm, I've tried to do with a little broomstick rider because the vast majority of the tracks are actually religious tracks. And since, my series deals so much with uh, religion because yes, it's a comedy. Yes, uh, it's a fairy tale with gothic slash horror slash fantasy hints. But at the same time, it is also just like the story it's based upon. It's in a way a political piece, and uh, where religion plays a huge role—not uh, religion per se, but the instrumental political use that is made of religion uh, in order to oppress the harmless and the poor. So it was very important to me to use. Uh, music that was religious, which also have an ironic connotation if we consider my uh, illustrative style and general tone of the story. I thought it was an interesting um, uh, counterpoint, an interesting balance with it. And um, and yeah, that's that's it. Some some other tracks, however, are not religious at all. Like the uh, the main theme that goes throughout the series uh, is actually uh, a festive sort of. Sp- piece, a dance, uh, by um, German composer of the early 17th century, which is exactly when the sto- my story is set. So there's another reason why it's uh, it's there. And also because its playfulness really, really married wonderfully with my story and the vibe I wanted to suggest into it. You have the contrast of of the, the 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 setting, like the sort of classical architecture, and then you've got the all the sort of uh, mean looking, gruff people, and then you've got the classical music, and that's kind of like very much painting a historical picture. And then you've got like the the humor cards, and you've got uh, Linhard, who's just kind of like sort of sort of wondering, you know, wh- why is everybody so angry? What the hell's going on? He just wants to, you know, kind of do his own thing. <laughs> and it, 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 it works so well. It's like this contrast of because I, I feel like it's very relatable, especially to young people who kind of especially like me, I grew up a very Catholic upbringing. Oh, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah my my father and grandfather are papal knights, a couple of priests in the family. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you guys are not big fan of uh, or culturally the church not a big fan of uh you know the lgbtq community i uh i think i think i'll be done with this and then it's like you know you kind of break free and there's this sort of rigidness of all of that and you know the way the way that uh the way that you frame that through through linhard is is so fun because it's it's like you get to you get to see 
you get to see uh, all of this through the eyes of a boy who's kind of just, you know, dares to be the one who questions the status quo, which it seems like everybody else in the film. And that's also like kind of to, to, to play into a question that I have for you. The, the fact, so Linhardt is a person who, he's the only character whose facial expressions change in the film. And I've <laughs> yes. got to think that that's sort of, heightening the sort of you know you're 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 telling such a uh powerful commentary on like uh you know the power structures and all of that and the rigidity, rigidity. Yeah, absolutely yeah oh go ahead oh sorry sorry you were saying oh well just the 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 you know the the way that he's sort of more fluid in his uh expressions and all of that is such a good contrast against the uh rigid uh power structures in place that are oppressing him Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I couldn't put it better. Really, that's that's exactly the reason why I came up with that idea. Uh, also, because I need to point this out. As a filmmaker, it's been a great learning curve this series because usually, I mean, I'm used to live action, and of course, uh, I've also worked in studios where I've recreated settings out of nothing, thanks to my extraordinary uh, production designers. But at the very same time, you always tend to rely on something and someone that already exists. Like you choose specific actors, but they already exist, of course. You just choose the best ones for the, for, for the, for the role, the ones you think are the best for your roles. And uh, the same thing with locations. You tend to uh, choose pre-existing locations. In this case, I had to create everything from scratch. So if I wanted something, I had to think of it and draw it and create it on my own first, which uh, really made me um, get deep into the, 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 the art and the process of filmmaking be, where of course uh, everything that happen that happens and appears in front of the camera happens and appears in front of it for a reason and uh, so that was an important uh, experience and learning curve as i said for me because that um, that really made me get deep 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 into it so of course the choice again of uh, having Leonard as the only one whose facial expressions change was very important to me at the same time I've always I've also received some uh, um, interesting comments that of course pleased me very much because uh, many people still thought that the other characters really were showing their feelings, but that's due exclusively to specific framing, pacing, and also the way of moving those characters around. And even though they're still stuck into their rigidity, uh, physical, aesthetical, and otherwise, <laughs> uh, they still do seem to suggest different emotions. There was a lot of Kulishov effect going on. <laughs> For those who don't know it, the Kulishov effect is a specific uh, effect in editing that was generated during the... Uh, the great experimental um, Russian cinema of the, of the 20s, of the 1920s, where actually uh, uh, an actor with a uh, completely uh, expressionless expression was put in front of several different things. And when 
the edited material was shown to the audience. The audience praised the acting of the actor who was uh, who seemed to be very, you know, sensible or irritating or irritated in front of the objects that it was um, related through to sorry through the editing. But the interesting thing is that he actually. Uh, was having this deadpan expression on his face and what made the difference were the reverse shots on the objects that he was supposed to be looking at. And uh, that's the power of editing and in a way that's what I've been trying to do with my series and with the other characters that are not um, Linhard. Yeah, I mean, you're able to communicate emotion through, like, a close-up shot of a character's fingernails, which is definitely a powerful... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, as we wrap up, I, I wanted to note also, uh, my favorite episode of, of them was uh, the fourth one. There's six episodes, uh, a little over half hour. Uh, the fourth one with the, the Witch's Sabbath, uh, where you yeah. really got to kind of uh, experiment. Most of the film is, is like a black-and-white color scheme on the paper, and this one, you throw a lot of shades of purple. And uh, I was just sitting there, like, thinking, like, you know, I could watch this all day. Like, this is very fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, this, yeah, and this episode really wanted to be, uh, in a way, uh, a fracture with uh, with the rest. In a way, it's the uh, Little Broomstick Riders equivalent of uh, episode Eight in Twin Peaks: The Return. Of course, I don't want to make any <laughs> analogies <laughs> or comparisons, but yeah, in a way, I'm just saying that it really uh, takes you away for a minute from the rest of the series. And in fact, it is the episode that Slam Dance is going to showcase. So don't be. I'm speaking to the audience right now don't be worried if you're just looking at these episodes and this episode and it's actually midway through the series because it's really not giving uh, that much away about the series at all and even though it's an independent episode in a way and again it's intentionally very uh, experimental and surreal and dreamy slash nightmarish at the same time uh, it also possesses or at least uh, dives deep into some of the main themes of the series which we have um, sort of discussed or uh, quoted during this interview so i really hope people will enjoy it <laughs> enjoy this ride because this episode definitely is a ride i think yeah and i mean it's it's you know there are circumstances that, that i mean nobody wants to uh you know the the pandemic's been really tough for filmmaking in a lot of ways but just sitting and watching your, your film, you know, this is a product of the quarantine, and yet it's kind of an innovation. It's an innovation that you don't see every day and kind of evokes a longing for, you know, the, uh, you know, with, 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 you almost like hope that, uh, you see more innovation like this because it's a, it's a powerful to, to see something like this that was born, you know, it was you and your father in, in, in a room making, making this absolute magic happen. And now <laughs> it's going to be at slam. It's, it's just so impressive. I, I'm, I'm really, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing I see a lot of films as a critic. Uh, there's a lot of good ones, a lot of bad ones. The ones that really stick with me are the ones that like think, okay, 
they took this, you know, film, film's been around over a hundred years. People are still finding new ways to, to tell stories and new inventiveness, uh, you know, and you really captured kind of the magic of slam dance in your work. So uh, congratulations. Little Broomstick Rider is so, is, is so much fun. Check it out. The slam oh. dance passes are only like 10 bucks too. There's really no reason not to check this one out. <laughs> and thank you so, so, so much. I mean, listening to these beautiful words and this beautiful critique coming, coming from a film critic means really a lot for me as a filmmaker. So thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, so uh, we'll link to uh, where you can find the film. Uh, Matteo, uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I was really excited for this one. This Likewise. Thank you so, so much. All right. And uh, to everybody else for listening, be sure to check out Slime Dance. This is, uh, you know, Matteo works with Christopher Nolan. He got his start on, uh, or Slime Dance. Uh, he was an early early uh, participant of that so it's it's fun to see this uh produce all the cutting edge of uh, new filmmakers so much fun thank you so much for listening we will see you next time